Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Praise the Lord. That you would be glorified in the hearing of it, the reading of it. That your spirit would speak forth to us through me. And Lord, I ask that you would give me unction to speak your power from above. Not anything of myself, but all of you. That you alone would be lifted up. That you alone would be glorified. That you alone, Lord, would be seen as holy. Holy, holy. Our Lord God Almighty. And we thank you. We praise you. We glorify your name. We ask, Lord, that you be with those who are unable to be here today. We have a lot of empty seats that are normally filled. And so we thank you, Father, that you've brought people here to praise and worship you. And we ask for your blessing on each one within the sound of my voice, whether now or later, through electronic means. And again, we pray this all in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. But I, I want to tell you that our training today is going to teach us what it means to have our feet shod in the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is not peace on earth. There's nothing in the Scripture that tells us that. In fact, Je Jesus Himself said something opposite. He said He didn't come to bring peace on earth. It's peace with God. That's what the gospel the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is peace with God. It's written in Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> Excuse me. For if we were enemies, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We were enemies of God, we were made at peace with God, and we will be saved by Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, it's written, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight, if indeed you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister, and likewise I have become a minister of that good news. I want us to read from the gospel according to Matthew. We're going to read Matthew chapter 22, and we're just going to read the first 14 verses. There are 45 altogether. We're only going to read the first 14. But I want to read this because this is our Lord Himself describing the gospel of peace. And uh, you could find that if you want to look in the books there in your seats on page 1528. Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to begin at verse 1 and read through verse 14. Matthew chapter 22. <clears throat> <clears throat> and this is what's written there. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, and this is a parable that he's reciting, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. They refused. 
Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they refused. They made light of it. They went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his own business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. See, that process is still happening. We're still going out into the highways, the byways, the corners of the earth where we live even. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? But the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Weeping is a heavy, sorrowful crying. And I've done the research on the words and the, and the uh, history of what was happening at that time and how, why he would use those particular words, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Someone who's weeping is not gnashing their teeth, but someone else who's gnashing their teeth, it's because they're angry. And they're angry at God for punishing them. That's what he's telling us here, okay? For many are called, but few are chosen. Unfortunately, there are some in Christendom today who believe that means that the invitation is only to some people, not to everybody. But Jesus said to go out into the highways, go into the byways, go into all the world, share the good news. So it goes beyond just those who are chosen by Him. Why are they chosen by Him? We'll get into that. We just heard our Lord describe the gospel of peace. Today, some claim that, as I said, God only invites certain people. You're in, you're out. And others say that He created some for destruction. That's not what His Word says. His Word says that He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants all to come to repentance. Others badmouthed the Apostle Paul because he became all things to all people that some might be saved. What's going on there? And we just heard our Lord say, therefore, go into the highways. And as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So we invite everyone. We invite everyone to the wedding. I'm not going to go into everything that the Scripture says about that wedding. I'm just going to cover what is in this text. Throughout time, from the time of Adam and Eve, 
Our Creator has sought to bring mankind back into an intimate relationship with Him. He sent people to share His message of reconciliation, but sadly, many of them refused. Those that He invited repeatedly refused to accept His offer. He offered to have a relationship with His creation, and His creation says, no, we're good. We got this. We don't need you. Believers are instructed to present Christ to the world, even if the world refuses the invitation. You see, we are given that task. It's like we have in our Bibles a card, a welcome card, and we are instructed to deliver it to everyone. Welcome. Your Creator wants to get to know you better. He wants to have a relationship with you. This is our role as followers of Christ. We are given that task by the one that we claim to follow. He says, go into all the world. Go into the highways. Invite everybody to the wedding. He says that we're instructed to present Christ even if the world refuses or treats us wrong, treats us violently, or even kills us. That's what His Word shows us. The one that we call Jesus used the idea of a marriage supper, and that represents God's covenant. And that was for to instruct, excuse me, to instruct people to accept that invitation. There's a marriage that's coming. There's a marriage supper. It's the covenant that we enter into with Almighty God that brings us into that supper. It's known, and it's understood that the king's invitation is a great honor. But it's not just an honor, it is a supreme command. If the king invites one of his subjects, it is a command that they come. There's no, you don't just say no to the king, okay? If the king invites you, you go. At least that's the way it works in the world. And it's sad, but we see that people are rejecting that invitation, and therefore they will not be prepared for the bridegroom's ceremony. Nobody refuses an earthly king without consequences, negative consequences. And in medieval times, whenever this particular version of the Bible was formed and fashioned out of the original Scriptures, they understood that. They understand that, they, that you do not turn down the king. He invites you, you attend. <clears throat> God's Word illustrates the proper attire that's required. It's required for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. He makes it clear. In fact, it's written in Romans chapter 13 and verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. And there we see the picture of repentance, putting on Christ, who is also our armor, putting on Christ, making no provision for the lusts of the flesh, putting off those sins that God abhors. In Ephesians chapter 4, it's written that you put on the new man, that's Christ, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. 
The wedding garment is sown in repentance from sin. It's sown by faith in Christ, followed by a genuine commitment to love and obey God. As we love God, we obey God. As we obey God, we are putting off the old man. We are putting off the lusts of the flesh. We are turning away from those things that displease God. In Colossians chapter 3, it's written, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Put on love. Put off the things that go against God. Put on love. You're going to love God completely, wholly, completely. All your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. And you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the picture that the Word gives us. Christ is love. Christ is our armor. Christ is our wedding garment. These are images that are given to us to help us understand that it's not about us. It's not what we do. It's surrendering. It's yielding. It's allowing Him to work on us. Without Christ, we too would be cast into outer darkness. Thus saith the Lord. So what does it mean to have our feet covered or or shod, the old English word, with the preparation of the gospel of peace? What does that mean? Because that's a figure of speech. It doesn't mean you're putting something on your feet, okay? That figure of speech has everything to do with Christ. The word preparation is not literal preparation that's put on our feet. And I've heard people say, well, I'm going to put my gospel shoes on. If you're in Christ, you're already there. You want to share the good news. You want to take the news to people that they can come into that wedding supper. They're invited. It's not a literal preparation. It's a symbol of what we do. It's a symbol of our actions in Christ. How we take the gospel forward. You look at the Greek word, and I'm not going to say it. I practiced it, but I'm not getting it here. It comes from another Greek word, and it means preparation. The other Greek word means to make ready, to prepare, to make the necessary preparations, to get everything ready. Metaphorically, it means to draw from the oriental custom, drawn from the oriental custom of sending on before kings on their journeys Those who would level the roads and make them passable. You know, they were using roads that were not paved. And they used animals on those roads. And the manure would pile up, and they'd have to clear that manure. As the king was coming along, they wanted to clear all the junk off the road. They wanted to clear the road to make it passable for the king. And so we are those people that have to clear the manure, whether we like it or not. Whether we like it or not, we're going to run into a lot of junk in the world, okay? There's going to be a lot of mess. It's not always going to smell good. It's not always going to look good. We're not always going to like the way it feels to us to have to clean up the mess as we're going along the path that Christ lays out in front of us. But that's the role we have. It also gives the idea of preparing the minds of men to give the Messiah a fit reception and to secure his blessings. And you see, that's where the connection is. We're sent. 
We are the sent ones. We're the ones that are sent by Christ himself when we come into his army to clear the way for him to come into this world. He's inviting all to that wedding supper. We're instructed to be prepared to deliver the good news of spiritual peace and spiritual prosperity. That's the gospel. Christ offers this through his atoning sacrifice. Christ is king. We're not. Christ is king. We're enlisted in his service, and we follow his commands. He is our commanding officer, if you will. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's found in John chapter 14 and verse 15. He said, he who has my commandments and keeps them... It is that one who loves me, and they love me. Those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's male and female, not just men. The way it's written, it sounds like it's just men, but it's not. It's for all. Whoever confesses me before men, he went on to say, it's written in Matthew chapter 10, Him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And I heard somebody one time who was supposedly a follower of Christ who said, well, God will know my heart. If I deny him, he's going to know my heart and I'll be okay. I said, oh, you know, what comes out of your mouth, it reveals what's in your heart. And if you love Christ, you will confess Christ openly. You will speak the name. You will not deny Him with your mouth because you love Him. And you love Him more than you love your own body. Well, surely God doesn't want me to die, right? Surely God has love for me. He doesn't want me to be harmed by somebody because I said, Jesus is my Lord. There's a lot of people who have confessed Christ to their death. And quite honestly, folks, I don't know where we are in the timeline of things. Not exactly. But what I see is that the door is closing, okay? It's like the ark. When God shut the ark, nobody else was getting in. And we are to be about that business of calling people into the ark of God's covenant, which is Christ these days. It's not a boat. It's not a physical ship. It is Christ. And we are to be about calling people into the ark of Christ before God shuts that door. That's the idea of being prepared to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Because Christ offers this through his atoning sacrifice. What does it mean to confess Christ before men? And, you know, I know we all have a general idea of what that means. But it says in the uh, root word for that, uh, for uh, confess, it says to say the same thing as another, to agree with, to assent, to concede, not to refuse, to promise, not to deny to confess, to declare, to admit or declare one's self 
guilty of what one is accused of. If you were accused of being a Christian, you've probably heard this before, would there be enough evidence to convict you? <clears throat> I dare say many people who confess Christ there would not be. I mean, that's part of the definition of confessing. Say, yep, I'm guilty. I'm a follower of Christ. I will not run. I will not hide. I will declare His Word till the day I die, should God allow me to have breath and speech until that time. That's what I want everybody to do. That's what He wants everybody to do. In the last part of the decor, or excuse me, number three in the, in the definition is to profess, to declare openly, to speak out freely. Well, you know, I can't, Pastor, because after all, they don't like me doing that at work. I, I, can't, I can't speak about my faith. People get offended. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. And I said, well, you know, maybe you need to find another job. Or maybe you need to just boldly profess Christ and see where that takes you. Profess oneself as the worshiper of another, to praise, to celebrate. That's what confess means. Those who confess me with their mouth before men, I will confess before my Father. Those who deny me, and if you take the definition and you say, okay, what is denying? It's the opposite of professing or declaring or confessing Christ. It's not necessarily just saying, no, 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 I don't know him. Peter did that. Christ restored him. It's written in the 46th verse of Psalm 119, I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Will not be ashamed. Will not. It's an absolute. I will not be ashamed to speak Christ. Jesus started a revolution. When he told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature who he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, he was sending them to their death. And he knew it. Because he was not welcome, they would not be welcome. He said so. They hated me, they're going to hate you. How many of us can honestly say We've been hated by people because we've shared the good news. And I'm not asking for a show of hands. I know there are some of us here who definitely have taken some heat for sharing Christ. But this is what he's telling us, not just them. In the Gospel of John, we read, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them. <sighs> he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why is that relevant? Without the Holy Ghost, without the Holy Spirit, without the, the Holy Spirit of Almighty God, you cannot proclaim his word boldly. It won't happen. It won't happen. Once those people were filled with the Holy Ghost, they were ablaze with their confession of Christ. They were on fire, on fire 
The fire of God had come down upon them and they were proclaiming the good news. You're invited. There's a wedding. You can come. Christ is the door. Christ is the way. Christ is the life. Christ is the truth. Come to the Father. Come to the Father. He wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want you outside of his kingdom. He wants you inside of his kingdom. And that's the message of the gospel. That's the preparation of the gospel of peace. Their lives were obviously changed, and they told everybody, everybody that they encountered learned the message of the gospel. And like them, we are to deliver the message and prepare the way of the king by his instructions. Go into all the world, he said. We look at the gospel records, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world. And we have this mindset today, that means over there somewhere, or over there somewhere. We're in the world. Wherever we are, we are to be sharing the good news. doesn't matter where it is. For there is no distinction, it's written in Romans chapter 10, between Jew and Greek. In other words, those Jewish folks and the non-Jewish folks, Greek stands for non-Jewish, doesn't just mean Greeks. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be. It's an absolute. You call people to call upon Him, not on you, not on this building, not on any church building. You get them to call on the name of the Lord and they shall be saved. That's what he said. But how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? It's written in Isaiah chapter 52 and verse 7, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. He reigns. He's the reigning authority over the entire world. And all of these human authorities who think they have something they don't have, they will stand before the supreme judge and they too will be judged. They will bow their knee. They will confess Jesus Christ. That's what his word says. There's no distinction. And as we know, there is no authority except from God. Our confession of Christ is multifaceted. Like a precious gemstone. Think of a diamond, ruby, other gemstones that you might be familiar with. One facet of our confession is personal. It's individual. It's created the moment we quit fighting against God and surrender through Christ. And we surrender to Christ. Repentance is evidence of this aspect of our confession. When we turn away from sin. We don't live in it. We don't remain in it. We want to come out of it. That's evidence. 
that this has actually happened to us, that this facet is being developed. Our repentance shows that our lives have been changed by our acceptance of Christ and His atonement. And the nice thing about that is others observe those changes. Others see that we're no longer where we were. As Paul says, you once were, but now you're not. You used to be, but that's not how you are now, or at least you shouldn't be that way. They observe the positive changes that Christ makes in our lives. Some will be drawn to faith in Christ by our personal, individual witness, by the change in our lives. And I see something different in you, John. I want what you have. I want what you have. That's going to happen. It's a natural outcome, although these days I suspect it's less likely to happen because so many people are so deeply steeped in their sin and they believe it's okay because they've been told it's relative. What's right for you is not right for me. They think somehow that they can go on sinning and yet have this thing called salvation because they said a prayer one day. And they're lost. They're mistaken. And they need somebody to give them the Word of God to show them the error because they've been taught a great error. And this fact that some will recognize the change in us and they may be drawn into the light out of the darkness that we once roamed in is not to stop us from telling them. I had a woman one time, she was in her 80s, I suppose. She said, but my life is my witness, Pastor. I said, and your lips are to be too. She didn't like me after that. She didn't want to tell people the truth. She just wanted them to see what a righteous person she was. She was very self-righteous. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. The preparation of the gospel of peace is spreading the good news that we do not remain enemies of God. We tell others, He made the way for mankind to be reconciled. He did that. And those whom Christ has called into His service are sent ahead of their King who promised to return. He's the supreme judge. He charges us with the task of preparing people for His arrival. And those who are called must be equipped per His instructions. And that is what I seek to do every Sunday morning here in this building with all of you and those who get to hear it online or see it on Facebook. You have to be prepared. You have to be equipped. You need to understand that it's your role to take this message out into the world wherever you happen to be and share it. Share that message, the good news. You've been invited to a wedding. I like weddings. Anybody who's ever seen me at a wedding has undoubtedly seen me enjoy a wedding. I know there are some of our brothers and sisters in the world who don't like dancing. I'm not one of them. I enjoy dancing. True or false? These guys saw me at their wedding. I just love to dance. It makes me feel good. (laughs) I praise God. 
I love to do it because it's one of those expressions of, of exuberance and excitement and, and, and there's a freedom that comes in just letting go and letting God as you're praising Him. David danced before the Lord. Now, I can't dance like he did. He took his clothes off. I'm leaving mine on, okay? <laughs> but he danced before the Lord. Nothing in the, in, the, in the Word of God that says don't dance. Nothing. I've never found that. And I've searched. I have. Each of us has been invited to the wedding supper by God's servants. Somebody invited us. Somebody invited us because they had their feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And they said, come on, you're invited. You're invited. And I remember the moment. Now, I, as a child, I knew that I was going to work for God. That's a fact. And I knew that God was going to use me to His glory. I had surrendered to Him as a child. But when I was about 15 years old, I met a street preacher. And he said, you, over here, sit down. That's what he said. Oh, okay, I went over. There were some kids sitting on a log in an empty city lot there in the Brookline area of Pittsburgh. And I sat down, and he started preaching the gospel. And then he had to say a prayer. And he said, now you're saved. I said, I, I didn't bother to tell him. I already knew the Lord. I figured, okay, he's calling me in. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to hear what he has to say. And then I started to go out onto the streets and preach the Word of God. I was a teenager, and God gave me the unction to speak. He gave me the words to say. And that's what eventually got me choked by that priest, by the way. Each believer has a role in the process. Because part of our response to the invitation is to prepare the way for the king. We are to clear the path. We are to invite others onto that path. It's part of our role. We need to equip them to meet with him. It's written in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. In other words, you're not judged on those trespasses. You're brought out of that. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. How many of you ever heard that word before? Ambassador. You're an ambassador of Christ. You are an ambassador of Christ. Look up what the word ambassador means. And then look it up some more. Find some other references. Go into the uh, dictionary and go into encyclopedias. And nowadays we can say, go online. Google it. What is an ambassador? What does it mean to be an ambassador? I'm not saying ask what it means to be an ambassador for Christ. I'm saying look at what it means to be an ambassador. Get that word figured out. You're an ambassador for Christ, as though God himself were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He took our sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. My sins are washed away. And my night is turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Filled my soul. 
And therein is the message that we share. It's the love of God that came into this world to turn us and everyone who would hear His voice out of darkness into light, out of the prison of sin and into the freedom of Christ. We're given that word of reconciliation to carry into the world, and that word of reconciliation is the gospel. It's God's love. Indeed, the Scripture tells us His goodness leads those that He created to repentance. That's in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. And we testify to all, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That's found in Acts chapter 20 and verse 21. The gospel of peace, as I said before, is not peace on earth. It's peace with God. Remember what's written in Romans chapter 5 and verse 10? For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And I know that's a repeat, and it's intentional. We're reconciled by Him. We're brought out of darkness. We are brought out of sin. We are brought out of that prison. We are reconciled to God, our Creator, by Christ, our Lord, who came into this world to save us from that darkness. Remember the words of Christ that are written in Matthew chapter 10. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. And we read that from the Old Testament. He was quoting that. It's a direct quote. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's what he said. That's not what we say, though, right? That's not what a lot of preachers say. Preachers say, no, no, give me your money and God will give you everything you want. There's a big genie in the sky. Rub up, just reach up and rub the bottle. And while you're doing that, drop a thousand dollars in the plate. And I say, forget that. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not the message of Almighty God. Yes, He commands His people to give to the support of the ministry, and to support those who labor in the, in the faith and in the ministry and the preaching of the gospel. Yes, He does. That's not to say don't give, but that's not where the focus is to be. From the time of Adam and Eve, Almighty God has sought to bring us back into that intimate fellowship. And He sent people to share His message of reconciliation. I'm recapping a little bit here, folks. Sadly, humans refused to accept His offer. And they didn't just do it once. They did it repeatedly, continuously. It's still happening to this day. The king's invitation is a great honor. It's a supreme command, and we're not to refuse his command. There will be consequences. Having our feet covered with the preparation of the gospel of peace refers to preparing the way of our king. Prepare the way of the king. 
You know, as we come into this time that we call the Resurrection Day, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. As we come to that day that we look at, it's called Palm Sunday, when they prepared the way of the king into the city of Jerusalem. They laid down their coats. They laid down palm branches. They were clearing the way. They were paving the way for the king. That's the image of us as believers, preparing the way. We confess others to others. We confess Christ. And this is what he instructed us to do. And this is to give him a suitable reception. And this is even if we're persecuted. That part we don't like. That's not a recruitment message for Christ. Come to Jesus, and you're going to die. Come to Jesus, and they're going to beat you up. Come to Jesus, and the world's going to hate you. That's not what you hear on television anyway. But if you read your Bible, that's what you hear. The gospel of peace is peace with God. We as believers were once enemies. We were enemies of God. But we've been reconciled. If we love others as we love ourselves, wouldn't we want them to have that same reconciliation that has been made available to us? Wouldn't we want them to be standing on the right side when we all get to glory? Don't we want those that we love at least, those who are the nearest to us? And some of them will reject us. Some of them will hate us. That's what he said. They'll become your enemies. The people in your own household are going to hate you. Don't we want them there when we're there? Jesus said they'll oppose us. It's written in Micah, for son dishonors father. Daughter rises against her mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own household. Now I'm going to wrap this up, folks. And in so doing, I'm going to ask you a question. And it's not to make you feel bad. I really want you to search your heart. You've been invited to the wedding. Have you responded to the invitation? If so, are you a living testimony? Are you proclaiming that everybody's invited? Is your life a living witness? If so, then praise God. But are your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? Are you doing what you are called to do as a follower of Christ to assist in preparing the way of your king? He said, go. Believers obey with their feet in gospel shoes. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I know that I'm just a man, and I know that you use me because I surrender to you, and I, I pray, Father, that everything that was said here today came from you. If there was anything, Lord, that wasn't of you, I ask that you would strike it from our remembrance. But that you, Father, and you alone would be glorified in the proclaiming of your word. Help us to prepare the minds of people to give Christ a suitable reception. Help us, Lord, to share the invitation to the wedding supper of the Lamb.
that the bridegroom cometh, Lord, that all would recognize that these signs that we see in the world are in fact proclaiming that message that you in your word set forth thousands of years ago. Help us, Lord, who were once enemies, who have been reconciled through the death of your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to lead others onto your path. I pray, Father, that all of us would have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and assist in preparing the way of the King. And I pray this all in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Next week we're going to learn to be shielding fiery darts. Shielding fiery darts. I hope you'll be here.